Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, we'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline, and I'm on the marketing team. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Liz. I head up the Ballard Creative Team. We're We're your host. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer our listener question at the end of each show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at ballarddesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. Now, on with the show. I know it's been many moons since we've had a trials and triumphs. I occasionally get DMs or emails from people saying, bring them back. Don't worry. They're not going anywhere. I was just going to say that... (laughs) I wanted to tell everyone that this is going to be Karen's last trial and triumphs. (laughs) We're very sad. (laughs) And I know that we kind of, we kind of dropped the bomb a few episodes ago. We mentioned it to y'all, but we're, you're officially transitioning out. Your schedule is too busy. We got to put her down, guys. Y'all, who am I going to talk to now? I mean, my husband doesn't want to hear any of this junk. (laughs) I feel I feel like we're gonna have to do a I don't know quarterly by yeah. yearly maybe I'll write Karen. into the episodes I can write into podcasts at ballarddesigns.net with my <laughs> issues and you guys can answer them on there you go Karen we're not answering another one that's right <laughs> I'll, I'll, that. I'm gonna use fake you can emails. use an alias yeah. yeah oh yeah I am oh. <laughs> so yeah so anyways so we're all really sad but Very. we'll have to, we'll, you'll come you'll be back it's not, it's not goodbye forever. Well, I have a, a whole project underway I want to keep you guys informed about. So I want to come back and tell you about that. I'm working, I'm actually working with a designer on a project at my house. Ooh. Yeah. So I'd never done it before. And so I'm doing that. So I want to kind of keep you guys apprised. <gasps> That's huge. Yes, That's, please. Yeah. You know, as a novice, I wanted to know what it was really like and to kind of document the process and talk about it. So I'm working on a bedroom. So I'll keep you posted over time. Yes, please. Very exciting. Absolutely. I think everyone listening would love to know how it, I mean, that's everyone's fear, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the unknown. So, so far so good, but I'll, I'll let you know. But okay. So you want to hear my trial? Yes. yes. Other than like uh, having to give this mic away, my trial, you guys, I'm such a dork. So every morning I like to get up all by myself and drink my coffee and check all my emails and read the news. And I have like two places in my house that I do this. No one's awake. It's just me early in the morning. So big giant cup of coffee in my robe. Just I'm setting the scene for you on my brand new white sofa. You know what's going to happen. Oh yeah, you. Oh do. lord, you, yeah. yeah. You <laughs> said the word white, uh-huh. so I'm following. Brand yeah. Giant cup of coffee. Yeah. You fill it all the way to that top lip where you have to walk slowly I too. Don't. The- and here's why, <laughs> because I'm also obsessed with how hot my coffee is. I like it to be like almost burn my mouth hot. So I really mm-hmm. only pour like half, three fourths of a cup at a time. And then I go back and refill it and refill it. So I'm real mm-hmm. weird. But anyway, so that just tells you it was hot and about three fourths of the way full because it was my first cup. So I sat down in my cozy spot and went and I had this perfect little windowsill I put it on, except nope, missed it. Totally missed it. Poured it all over myself, <laughs> all over the sofa, like burn myself, my cute robe, the whole shebang. No one's there to hear me go, oh, oh, oh. No, everyone's asleep. <laughs> no help. I had, to, I had to strip down. I had to strip the sofa. And we know your windows are open. So <laughs> yeah, your, your, your yeah. drapes aren't shut. <laughs> no drapery. But... <laughs> <laughs> the, here is the upside. So first of all, my robe laundered beautifully. It's great. The first time I've laundered it, I was very pleased. <laughs> but 
I unzipped all my sofa cushions that I could. And just as a plug to Ballard, mm-hmm. of course, I did order Easy Care fabric. Is that what it's called? No, that's not inside out. Performance. 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 Yeah. Inside out fabric. So I knew that that oh, would yeah. launder fine, but I also got it on the arm, the upholstery part where I couldn't pull it off and wash it. And like I said, Mm -hmm. it's coffee on white. So we had a guest on here who was touting the Bissell, like green machine, whatever thing. I had bought that right away after she talked about it. And so did I, did you? Yeah. That thing, y'all. Did I miss that guest? You did. I missed that guest. Yes, you did. That thing. We'll put a link in the show notes. It worked like a camp. Okay. And I think I got mine from like QVC or HSN, also a shout out to our parent company and work like a champ, y'all. You couldn't, you can never tell what happened. And it was not like 30 minutes of work. It was maybe five minutes of work. So I was very pleased with both the fabrics performance and my Bissell Green Machines performance. Did you use the included Bissell stain remover? Okay. Interesting. It literally looks like a half circle green turtle. Yeah, you just pick it up and carry it around. It has like a vacuum hose kind of thing. And you stick your water in there and it sucks it out. And it did really well. I was really pleased, you guys. And I did I did not dry my cushion cover as one should not. And I have found you should launder them zipped. <gasps> I didn't do that. Because of the strings inside? Because I've told you all about my, my Sunbrella outdoor chairs that are like Parsons chairs, but they are outdoors. Nothing happens immediately, but just over time, if you launder them like... Uh-huh over and over again, some of the threads start to, they just look messy. Yeah. I did notice that like the inside threads, you know, were kind of, so I trimmed a lot of them, but I hadn't thought about zipping it. That's a very smart way to go, Caroline. It helps. Well, that's exciting. I'm glad that it came out. Yeah. That's big. Thank goodness you did performance forever. Can you imagine how mad I would be if I had like white linen or something? And then I only myself to blame. There's nothing worse. Some people swear by Stanley Steamer. I have never used them. Don't you have to have them come to your house? <laughs> yeah, but I don't have time for that. No, I know. <laughs> I just mean like if you are desperate, I don't know. Or if you want to like get all your rugs done or all your carpets done or like a bunch like uh, annually done once a time. Yeah, like Taryn does with her rugs. I did loan that Bissell uh, green machine to a friend and she said it worked fantastically on rugs too. So Yeah, I also used it to clean my son's headboard upholstery headboard that used to be my other son's. Like we've had this bed, I bet 15 years, you know, and you've got greasy teenagers with their heads touching it, not attractive. Clean that up before we took it off to his college house last weekend. And it also did a great job. So I recommend. All right. So then I have a triumph. Did I already have one? I have another one. No, go for it. We got to get everything in here before. Yeah, this is this is your show. <laughs> Do it. So my triumph, you guys, is that I have a replacement to introduce to you today. I mean, she's going to try to live up to my amazingness. I'm sure she'll surpass it. <laughs> Welcome, Liz. I'm sure Anderson. that I can't. Hi, Liz. <laughs> yeah. Hi. Yay. Yay. I'm so excited to Yay. be here. I am so excited. Liz, to be here. you're amazing. Liz has been at Ballard along like six years. And she's Six our creative years. director. So she's uh, also a major yeah. fan of the show. So she knows all about it. Yes. And my biggest trial is that I'm not going to be a listener anymore. <laughs> I love listening to the show, especially while I'm driving around. Why can't Atlanta you listen anymore, Liz? And- I don't want to hear uh, my voice. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird. It's uh, Yeah. Far too critical of that. Oh, I love my voice. <laughs> <laughs> Music to my ears. 
Taryn, you just wear your headphones around all day Listening so you can to hear yourself. your voice, right? Correct. Correct. And they're the correct color. You know, they're, they're my chartreuse. So right, I'm sticking, chartreuse sticking to brand. Do you measure? Do you measure when you do things, do projects? I do. I pretty much walk around my house <gasps> with a tape measure <laughs> all the time. doing a happy All day the time. Us. That's because I do that too. Caroline's proud of you. So much so that Will gave me a laser measurer for like Mother's Day one year. Ooh, that's a good gift. That's I how nerdy I am. Too, but All I right. don't use it. <laughs> well, I guess I'll stop measuring so that one of us can continuously have trials. No, everyone needs to measure. Oh, okay. But like, as we say, everyone needs to measure. You guys, I have a big blue whale in my dining room where I'm working right now. I just bought the Nolan bench, which I love. It's a round upholstered bench. Yes. To go around my 60 inch (gasps) round table that Taryn designed. And I love it. Everybody loves the bench. Everybody loves the bench. It feels like we're having brunch in our own dining room, which is fantastic, except that it's huge. It's huge. (laughs) And I'm working in this room working behind it. It's Has kind it pushed of you into the corner? Carving out a little office. It's really, yeah. it's totally pushed baby in the corner. And yeah. I see it now. I see it in your image. Yeah, no one's big, pushy, huh? Right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. When you said whale, I was looking for art on the wall first. <laughs> but now I, now no. I see. <laughs> no, this is, that's my nickname for it. But we can't get rid of it because everybody loves it. Yeah. I think we need to, I think you need to get into our room planner and like, because what if you moved it into a corner? That'd be weird. That might work. I think I have a couple consoles and things in here too that I need to just yeah. move away. Redecorate around the house. I need to edit. Some stuff. Yeah. That happens all the time when you buy new stuff. You just have to sort of re-merchandise the whole area. <laughs> oh my gosh. But it was so amazing. I brought this thing in here and my 13-year-old daughter popped out of her room, came out of nowhere was sitting in the dining room You're for like, the first time in months. I have a child. The wonders the furniture can do. So, okay, I want you to give everyone a little bio cliff notes of you and your life. I would say my absolute biggest trial and triumph is 2020 in this house. We bought our first house, which is a 1930 Craftsman. And we moved in two weeks before we all needed to shelter in place. So we got to know this house real fast. The amazing thing about this house is that the previous owner lived here for 33 years and really didn't do much. So it's got all the original woodwork for better or worse. And it's got all the original walls for better and worse. So yeah, not much was done to this house. So it's been really fun to just kind of do our own thing here and make it make it a great place. That's my house, which is just wonderful. And then there's Ballard. I've been there for six years. I went to school as for painting and got into graphic design and have done branding for many years. And then I started at Ballard and I lead the creative branding team there. But tell everybody what that means because people probably don't realize. Yeah. I oversee the catalog. I oversee... I definitely take a look at all of our emails that go out. So any communications that go out, I also have my hands in the retail stores and do all of our branding and signage that are shopping stores. Oh, love the shopping bags. So those are the fun things. Even like the package design, like holiday packaging and the, you know, if you buy a bolt of ribbon from us, like what that bolt looks like, it's, it's fun. You get your finger on a lot, right? On a lot. 
but I'm super glad to be here with you all because you are three of my favorite people oh. to work with. Karen, I'm going to miss you on this podcast. Oh, well, call me anytime and I can just talk to you. <laughs> just talk, talk, okay. and talk. That's true. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> all right. Did you talk about your family too, Liz? So people yes. know. Mm. Okay. I missed that. Making sure. Yes. Well, actually, next week I'm celebrating my 20th wedding anniversary. Whoa. My Whoa. I didn't part. know you were 80. Wow. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah. And we have a 13 year old daughter and two wild and crazy cats. And, and your yeah. husband's also an artist. And then, yeah, my husband's an artist and he shows at a gallery here in Atlanta and has well, a studio a space. Yeah. Yeah, what's his name? Give him a plug. His name is Stephen L. Anderson, <laughs> StephenLAnderson.com. <laughs> we met in art school a bazillion years ago. Adorable. Yeah. How does he feel about oh, your yeah. decorating? Is habits? he involved with opinions? Oh, yeah. We were just talking today about how he, he gets a little nervous when because I'm, I'm, I'm always changing things up. Of course. And bringing something new in it and, and coming up with different ideas. And I think it makes him a little nervous. So I just wait until he's at his studio for a long time. I, <laughs> I rearrange things. Nice. Solid strategy. It's Solid strategy, strategy we all use. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, oh, but it's really important to me to let you know that my sisters are also listeners and are here in Atlanta. Didn't you, didn't you have a lot of sisters? I have a big family. I have two brothers and two sisters. My sisters have been in Atlanta for 20 five years, just about. And then my parents moved down here a year after we moved here. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause you moved from the West coast, right? Yeah. We lived in LA for 11 years, which was awesome. Wait, you didn't mention your little niece who's obsessed <laughs> with catalogs. She's like three or four or something and oh. like carries them around. Yeah. She's That's adorable. Oh my gosh. She's amazing. So shout out to Rose. She's, she's now seven, still a big ballet fan. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm a little behind. <laughs> no, the last time I think you saw her, she was she was four, and she came to the office to visit. Everyone aged three years in COVID. I, I think <laughs> I, I aged about 20. But Rose came to our office when she was four, and she was so excited to get a behind-the-scenes look at Ballard offices. And she met my team, and she was like, I told her how we make the catalog, and this is the team that makes the catalog. And she got so excited. And I gave her a copy and she asked everyone to sign it. Oh my God. That is the cutest thing I've ever heard. It was <laughs> the sweetest. The absolute yeah. sweetest. That's really cute. Well, welcome, Liz. We're so excited that you're here. Yes. We're so excited. I'm excited to be here. Karen, we're going to miss you. I'm going to miss you too. Thank you for mm-hmm. having me all these years. We love you. And Liz, carry that torch, girl. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I guess we should get to our episode. Let's get to our guest. I think actually this is going to be Liz's first episode recording. So everyone, buckle in. Give us some shout outs. Send us an email. Send Liz your <laughs> send Liz and Karen your feedback and tell yeah. them. Let me know how I'm doing. All right, bye guys. So long and welcome. Let's get to it. So we are thrilled to welcome our guest today, Vincent Wolf. He is a celebrated interior designer of, of course, Vincent Wolf and Associates. He's been recognized by America's most influential designers by El Decor, House Beautiful, Architectural Digest, and Veranda. He's also got four books, and he's working on his fifth book, 
Welcome to the show. We're thrilled to have you. And we have been trying to get you on for years now. So yes, I, I, we've, <laughs> we've been missing each other. So glad to finally make it happen. You are an avid traveler. You make a point to go to somewhere very remote and exotic every year. And I was curious just sort of what you love about travel and what it does to inspire your design inspiration and your client work. Well, it's about getting out of New York. It's my going back in time period. I think that when you travel, you sort of start to learn again. You're learning things that you didn't know before, seeing things that you hadn't seen before. And I think that that's a great way of, of staying young and staying sort of in touch with new ideas. 60% of the time, I'm traveling by myself. So it gives you that moment to really talk to yourself. And I find that that just really recharges my creativity allows me the freedom to start to look at things in a different way. So it's my time for just a dream. I noticed just in your design work, you always bring back little relics that you often put into your client projects. But I wondered about color because sometimes, for example, I was looking through your third book and it's called Lifting the Curtain of Design. And you were talking about like Namibia and all of the sort of clay, brown colors there. And then I noticed just, you know, kind of in the following chapters, all, all sorts of browns. So I'm wondering how travel inspires color, because I feel like color is often something really based on trends. You know, it's, does it keep you from playing into color trends? So as you're traveling, you're going to be picking up on green because that's what's in your subconscious of what you're looking to absorb. I just think any color when you're traveling, we're so unaccustomed of seeing naive combinations of colors, turquoise, hot pink with green, just colors that you wouldn't say, oh, I'm going to put that color with that color because they work well together. But you see them, and when you see how they mix them, it's so right looking because it's being selected with a very sort of uh, emotional point of view. Yeah. I was just thinking maybe that's a great way for people to sort of give their room staying power and to sort of maybe avoid the colors that are trendy and to do like you do, which is pull palettes from their travels or like you said, their favorite elements of nature and stray a little bit from what those 2021, you know, Navy or whatever it is. Something I do, in, especially in bedrooms, I always look at women's makeup because the makeup gives you the colors that they feel are most flattering to them. So that's a good way of working in your bedroom is to look to see what colors you like to put on your skin so you can create flattering bedrooms. I find that I like neutral-ish environments, whether those are taupes or grays or whites or off-whites, and then hitting them with a splash of color. And then that color can change as your mood changes. Instead of painting the whole room yellow, just to do pillows and yellows and yellow flowers, all of a sudden it brings that sort of energy of color into the space. And when you're tired of that color, all you have to do is recover the pillows. What is it about a monochromatic palette that you feel just works? 
the first thing is that most of those rooms are not, they're tints. I love mercurial colors. You know, the room that I'm in is all white. But as the day progresses, tones start to come up. And I like that in spaces. So it's not always the same coloration. I know a lot of people that, let's say, well, I'm going to do a white room. And then they're matching that white to be always exactly the same. And it never really comes across that way because if it's near the window, it's going to look white. If it's at the other end of the room, the tints in it are going to come out. So I try to stay in the same families. So like this, it's not all white. It's like different tonalities. And I think that that allows a room to have longevity because it's never looking the same. Maybe it has to do, I I don't have formal education in design. So what appealed to me was what I did. I mean, yes, I was educated by going to the museums and looking at paintings and traveling, but never anywhere where rules were given to me. I made my own rules. I mean, after 50 years of doing this, I don't care anymore. I just do it. And I don't think about it. And it's really what has given the work a sort of unstudied quality. And that's not to say that I don't concentrate in what I'm doing and that I sort of analyze it as I'm doing it. But it's all about what my gut tells me is the right thing to do. And I don't think that a lot of people do that. I really think that's the magic in your work, though. Really? Yeah. Because it feels like your room, every piece is really considered. And every piece has a personality and is thoughtfully placed in that spot. And whether you're going to go back you know, a couple months later and move that chair into a different angle and a different to get a different perspective, it still has your eye. Well, it's it's funny because it's just mixing the elements to end up in a room that has a um, a neutrality to it. Because if you look at my rooms, even if there may be a lot of traditional things, and it still feels contemporary. It doesn't look like I'm trying to recreate the past, but really evolving forward. And I read many years ago that the best way to move forward is to bring the past with you because you're bringing with you a sense of history, a sense of depth to a space. I think nothing worse than to take an antique and upholster it in a traditional fabric. You don't ever want, as you get older, you don't want to stay looking the way you did 20 years ago, 30 years ago. You want to look contemporary. And I think to take something old and make it work for today, I think it's a way of keeping it young and fresh. Because those pieces were contemporary at one time. They weren't traditional. They were modern. So you have to like keep it you know, evolving with the time. There was a quote in your book, and you said, I just I think encapsulate everything you were just saying, a room with only one thought and one note never works. And I just felt like that was such a nice, concise way to put that. You don't want I mean, it all to be it, one note. I think it works today. Look for 
materials and elements that speak of different points of views. Those rules will always stay contemporary because you're looking at different parts of it and sort of absorbing something different in the space. That makes sense. And I think to your earlier point about finishes, maybe if you aren't wild about antiques, then finishes are a good way, you know, to your, you were saying like something gilded and something sort of like raw and primitive and then something, right. you know, lacquered and that can have the same effect. It's like listening to music or reading a poem. If it's all like this, it's not going to be too appealing. Mm -hmm. You want it to have highs and lows, like lighting. You want a room not to be flooded completely with light. You want that room to have darker corners and areas that pop up. And I think that those are the spaces like a stage where you enter it and you, you know, you're engulfed by, by the feeling of that room. I honestly was very excited to be on today just because I've looked at your work for years and loved it and appreciated it because I'm also um, naturally the opposite of you in a, I like vivid amounts of color. And so I really appreciate your work, if that makes sense, because I can't naturally do it. Like it's uh -huh. not who I am. So I've just been absorbing everything you said. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because I look at traditional spaces and the rooms that I look at the least are the rooms that are in my contemporary point of view. So I look at the exuberance of how these things get mixed together and the patterns Something I could never do. You know how to travel really well, too, it sounds like. I go to really primitive places. But I love looking at traditional spaces. I think it's a sense of designing blindfolded. Not literally blindfolded, but blindfolded to rules. It's instinctual to you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have friends who are designers and they think and they think and they look and they evolve and they <laughs> and it's I don't think when you look at the work it looks like it's done that way it looks like you really thought about it and maybe I have subconsciously but it's how fast can you get that concept gelled and then let it go and not you know, squeeze it and push it and pull it and think of it and rechange it. I think it, it loses its freshness when you do that. There was another thing you mentioned in your book. You'll start eliminating all the pieces and think, okay, can I take this away? And it creates a very edited you know, look, which I think all of your rooms have this editing is so difficult and you achieve yeah. it. You're so masterful at it. When you say masterful, it sounds like this is something you've developed through many, like wine, it's aged. I was that way from the first job I ever did. I mean, it's the freedom of, of not having educational rules of saying it looks right. And I'm a very insecure person. But the only time that I am 100% secure is when I'm doing what I do. 
The only time it doesn't work is if the client says, well, I don't know, could you change that? And then I'm lost because I did what I thought was right. Right. I mean, it's their home, it's their money, it's their, not their point of view. I, you know, I always say to clients, give me the emotion that you want that space to be. I love it. Well, <laughs> you want, I want a sexy room and I, I want to walk in there and feel powerful. You had a few tricks that I feel like are really simple, but like that are you repeated in a lot of your work. And one of them that I noticed was either a demi-lune or a table over an upholstered ottoman. ottoman, And it looked fantastic. The demi-lune over a round ottoman is absolutely stunning. Love it. And then the other one I wanted to note is your use of the ledges with the art. And that way you can change out in and out your art. And I think it's just such a wise thing for people listening to do because it gives that versatility, like you said, with age, that you can switch things out in, in, in newness. Well, I think that if you're looking at something hanging on the wall year after year, you stop looking at it. So it's it's best to be able to evolve, to change, to take away. So you look, once you hang it in a different place, it looks completely different. I mean, as you look behind me and you see a lot of things hanging on the wall, But it's my conference room. So I sit here once a week for a half hour. So I walk in here and I sit down and I see all my old friends hanging there on the wall. If they were in my apartment hanging the same way, I would stop looking at them. So in my apartment, it's all with shelves and, you know, they all keep constantly, you know, I create different groupings of things, bathing suits or abstract looking photographs, you know, just so I get to admire them in a different way. And then are you moving those around and recurating your work? In my home? Yes. Because maybe something new has entered the space. I'm waiting for something to come from Paris. It's a nude, uh, six feet tall. It was from the 40s, and she's really beautiful, very sort of liquid body. So I know that when that comes in, I'm going to get all the nudes together around that. So it's you're seeing just different uh, different things. That's amazing. And the grouping idea is such a fantastic, because we've talked so much about how just the intensity of putting things together. So if you look look at how I did this, You see, it starts narrow and it gets wide. And then when you look at the other wall, it repeats itself on the other side. But in between, they're all sort of, you know, fitting together to give it the outside shape. Instead of doing a square, I wanted it to like just sort of fade away at the ends. Whatever brings us joy, right? (laughs) Absolutely. I think that it's time for us to do a decorating dilemma. Yes. A dilemma. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Our listeners have many dilemmas and we like to to help them solve them.
This is from Kate. She says, Dear Ballard Designs podcast team, I discovered your fabulous podcast about a month ago and have listened nonstop ever since. What a difference it has made in my understanding of design. You have helped me to look at my house with fresh eyes, propelling me into a series of redecorating projects, some successful and others not so much. I'm hoping you can help me with my living room dilemma. Here's a general description of the house. It was built in 1978. It's surrounded by woods, 1,650 square feet, all on a single level with an open floor plan. All of the walls are light gray, Benjamin Moore's paper white, and the ceilings are a lighter shade of the wall color, basically white. All of the floors are oak hardwood with a walnut stain. My life history is DIY on a minimal budget. We purchased the house 11 years ago, removed walls, relocated windows, designed a new kitchen, and more. The furniture is from auctions, estate sales, hand-me-downs, and travel accumulated over many years. Everything, including the art, has a history and a story. I made all of the curtains, white shears with a band of filmy, airy, crinkly charcoal gray polyester at the bottom, and we installed them on hospital tracks so they can be pulled across the entire wall of windows, which run along the dining room and living room. My problem area is the living room. It's a pass-through to other rooms in the house, so the furniture is clustered in the middle. There's only one usable wall for furniture placement. It is 13 feet long by 24 feet tall at its peak. Tall, tall ceiling. And the ceiling is vaulted. There's also a fireplace on this wall off to one side. The wall is such a big blank monolith and it lacks architectural interest, so it seems to soar way above the furniture. We do not use the fireplace and it is an eyesore. It also makes furniture placement almost impossible. One more thing, the television is in the den, so not a factor to be considered here. The color scheme is white, cream, grays, and sunflower yellow accents. Here is sort of the solutions she was thinking. Remove the fireplace and the surround and close up the wall with drywall. Repaint the entire wall with an accent color or perhaps a darker gray than the walls, the other walls in the room. Center the white couch, which she has already on this wall, and then replace the charcoal love seat with a chair, sort of a larger club chair, like our Hartwell chair in white. Hang the Indonesian door that is currently in her foyer over the back of the white couch and then get a bigger rug, most likely wool. And it says the coffee table is an old English pub table. We shorten the legs. It seems very dark. Maybe I should strip it or lighten it with a piece of white marble on top. What do you think? I would so appreciate your smart advice. Also, should I paint the ceiling darker? What colored should the rug be? I was thinking something like Ballard's Marquesa rug, which is kind of a gray and yellow e-cat. My goal is to bring unity, cohesiveness, balance, and proper scale and warmth to the space. It is the focal point of the house and the sole gathering place for friends and family. Thank you for taking the time to read my email and muchas gracias for your brilliant five-star podcast, Kate. It's interesting because in looking at the photographs of the space, one photograph, which shows the fireplace, shows a faucet in the foreground. Mm. And then the next photograph she sends has a different kitchen counter with a dining table and chairs around it. So I wasn't sure where these connected. Mm -hmm. My first thought was, well, if there's not a table on the other side of that island, why not butt the sofa against it? So you are looking at the fireplace. Maybe you can then create, you know, have a table to the right. If you're not going to seal the fireplace to the right, put a lamp, a focal point in the space. And I think that it is the only wall that she has. So to put the sofa on the fireplace wall, the only problem with that is, is that you're looking at the kitchen. So it is not the most mm -hmm. pretty thing that you're, you're looking at. 
it's maybe instead of having the fire the sofa to the left, maybe to have the sofa facing the fireplace, put two club chairs. She has these yellow club chairs, put them on either side, and then have something, a table, something along refectory table on the right-hand side. So it's something pretty to look at. I would, if you're going to put the sofa against the fireplace wall, then I would paint that wall darker. So like this, it centers the space. But without having a furniture plan, I mean, I am a firm believer to design a room without having a furniture plan is the kiss of death because you're not really able to really start to visualize what that room is. So to see a plan with the sofa, with the kitchen and all that, it certainly helps. But I think if you could back a sofa to the to the island where the faucet is, then you're not looking at the fireplace, you're looking at the wall. Maybe a mirror would open up visually the space. So if you had the fireplace, the table to the right, a mirror above it, or take the door, it looks Chinese, and mirror behind it. So it looks like you have a window onto another space. That's something I've done before, and it, it, it works very well. I love that idea. I would say that the ceiling shouldn't go dark because then you're going to bring it down. Just try to make the space soar as much as possible. Do you make a lot of your ceilings with a high sheen? It depends on the budget. Okay. Because to paint your ceilings in a high gloss and bad job, it, it just doesn't look good. So those ceilings have to be, you know, in New York, ceilings are not all that high. So it's a way of doubling the height of the room. But those ceilings have to be compounded, sanded, compounded again. And a lot of the times I spray them in the high gloss. So it, it has, you thin out the high gloss paint. So when you spray it, it just sort of dries faster and it goes more even. I was curious in your book talking about sometimes how really tall ceilings aren't always advantageous. And I was I was wondering what she should do about this wall because, you know, half of it is much taller than the other half. So should she just sort of create like an invisible top to the wall? Should she fill in that awkward space? You could take the lowest section and draw and paint from there down the color of the rest of the walls and then the upper. But, I mean, I think it's play it up. I mean... Maybe Lena, I like leaning mirrors. Lena mirror that's like 10 feet tall and five feet wide to really, it's your biggest bang in the room is the height of the ceiling. So, I mean, if you had high gloss ceilings in there, then you would see that seal, that wall even double in, in height. You could have a, a light, a hanging fixture coming down so like this mm. it sort of brings your eye down but i think to paint it darker i think it it would it depends what the, the kitchen color is you know mm-hmm. is it the same color as the walls i mean in a room like that the more you repeat a color the better it is because if the perimeter is all including kitchen cabinets and walls all the same color you're expanding the space. You're not, because it's, she said 1,600 square feet foot house, right? 
So it's not very big. So the more continuity of color you have, the, the better it is. Okay. So it sounds like paint the wall, your focal point wall dark after you've closed up the fireplace, and then maybe just do one great big art or mirror moment Above on it. And I love I love the idea of the light fixture, though. She can get rid of that fan. Yes, she has a fan off-center in the room. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a that's a problem, and I mean it doesn't. I think that when you look look at how the light plays on that wall, I think it's it's very nice. Mm-hmm. I just would face the fireplace, get rid of the little sofa, put the two club chairs on either side of the yellow sofa, and then you have the sense of a room. Maybe if you have enough space, but a table behind that sofa. So it separates the kitchen from the, you know, from the, from the living room area. Got it. Well, I love the idea of the giant mirror. And I've seen yeah. in your work, you're not afraid of layering things in front of the mirrors. Right. Well, you can put a table in front of it. You're just opening the space up. You can't afford the mirror, but maybe you paint that shape on that wall. Let's say if the wall is dark gray you paint that shape in white, it does the same thing. It just sort of brings your eye up and it visually opens the space up. I like the band up at the bottom of the curtain. Mm-hmm. She's had so many good ideas in how she's approached the space. So I think that that's, you know, that's nice. Yeah, it's really, it's really nice looking. Mm-hmm. It's a challenging wall for sure, but I mean, overall, what she has so far is, is well done. All right, well, Kate, best of luck. Please send us some after photos. You've done a good job, right. Kate. Thanks. So glad we, you found the show helpful. <laughs> Thank you for for joining us. And can you tell everyone where they can find you, follow you, see your work, and all that? I'm coming out with a new book. It'll be next year. If anybody's near Pittsburgh, you should go and see the Frida Kahlo collection at the Frick. <laughs> it's my collection of photographs of, of Frida Kahlo. And from there, it is going to Venice for the Art Viennale. If anybody mm-hmm. comes to New York, uh, it's my showroom and you should come and just my office is right next to the showroom, so I'll come over, walk you around, anything to get out of work. Oh, my gosh. Sounds so dreamy. Anything to get out of Atlanta. Well, I hope you all have a, a great summer. Thank you. Thank you so much. We really enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Vincent. Thank you. Have a nice week. And that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcast at ballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space. And of course, be sure to follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time, happy Happy decorating. decorating!